This week's episode of Aussie Tech Ed is brought to you by Start New Company. Register your company immediately today with ASIC. ABN, TFN, GST registration is also available directly from the portal. Also set up your family trust and self-managed superannuation fund and more. All at startnewcompany.com.au. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash startnewco and keep an eye out for our regular specials. Start your new company now within 10 minutes of lodgement. All legal company documentation provided after registration. startnewcompany.com.au. Also brought to you by athwebhosting.com.au. All our servers are operating on SSD drives, immediate activation, SSL certificates, Aussie support, domain registration and more. Easy install WordPress, Joomla, Drupal and 300 other one-click installations. Generous space and bandwidth, auto backups, WordPress help and maintenance plans are also available on contact. If your webpage is important for your business or your life, contact us today. Aussie support, secure services, athwebhosting.com.au. And now for the show. Hello, this is Frank Walker from National Tiles. Oh, wait. Welcome to episode 702 of the Aussie Tech Heads, recorded on the 12th of November, 2020. I'm your host, Jason Oakley. This is my co-host, Will Topkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, mate. How goes it? <clears throat> Sweating you. Everything's off, yeah, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Welcome to Queensland. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's... Wait, didn't you have freezing cold hail? Yeah. yeah. So now you're going to melt it all. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not too bad, it's only... It's only 29 at the moment, but it's um, by like tomorrow's going to be like 35, Saturday's going to be like 37, and Sunday's like 39. Like, Please, dude, settle down. And that's not including the humidity. <laughs> it's not so, the heat, it's the humidity. we got yeah. um, tomorrow 28, 28, 28, 36, 24, 24. Shut up. <laughs> I like you less and less. 36, can you imagine where temperature getting that high, Will? No humid, though. No humidity where you are, so it won't be too bad. Not as much. No. <laughs> Still get quite a bit, though. I've got a friend from Western Australia. She says it's wonderful there because you get to, like, 40, 45. doesn't matter because there's no humidity no. whatsoever. It was like when I was down in Melbourne. You you would have, you would hit you would have 40-degree days in Melbourne, but it wasn't that bad. Yeah. It's perfectly bearable. Well, that, that was at 10 o'clock, and then at 12 o'clock, yeah, it was raining, it was raining then, with it, hail, and yeah. then 4 o'clock in the it afternoon, it was and sunny. Yeah. And then 9 o'clock at night, it's still sunny outside. Yeah. Because yep. my my daughter was had a friend over, and at 9 o'clock, she walked him home a couple of houses up the road, and then came back, and my mum rang up, and she's like, oh, can I speak to my granddaughter? I was like, no, she's gone out for a walk to take a friend. But it's it's night time. It's dark. I said, not down here. It's not. Nope. We don't get dark yet. <clears throat> no. It's still like twilight sun out there. This is Melbourne for you. Yep, that's it. It is all fun. It's seven degrees where you are. Well, that's just fine and dandy. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, John. <laughs> I don't think we get seven degrees here. Well, <laughs> in the middle of the night we do in winter, but. <laughs> uh, Maybe for one day. 
Yeah, we don't see very we don't, rarely. Don't have it as a regular temperature though. No, it's, uh, the, the th- it goes past it, but it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't come back. <laughs> uh, so How yeah, been going with you besides that. Uh, still waiting on insurance oh, people geez. to do their things and. Still waiting on the car insurance to even call us back and say they've even looked at it. And home insurance isn't get home isn't getting looked at until next week. And uh, and actually, Thursday next week. Yeah, so it's just a waiting game at this point to see what's going on. Speaking um, of stuff to get fixed, my car got a service today, and a few months ago I was reversing out of the garage, and usually I have the side mirrors in. You press the button, they go in. When I'm reversing, this time I forgot, and the left one went scrape against the side brickwork at the side of the garage. It took a little tiny chip out of the black plastic surround mm. that the mirror sits in. Most of everything else is fine. Just this one little black plastic chip came out. So I was getting the car service. So I was like, can you look at that as well? They're like, yep, fine. So I get there this afternoon. They say, I'll tell you what, we didn't fix it, and here's why. If the back casing had it been wrecked we could replace it cheap and quick if the glass had smashed we can replace it cheap and quick if the motor inside had seized up or broken we could fix it cheap and quick that little plastic surround that all it does is a background for the mirror to sit on we can't replace that by itself we have mm. to do the whole thing yep because which is 699 dollars Plus eighty dollars labor. Yep, doesn't surprise so me. So we we didn't fix your mirror because we thought you might not like that very much. <laughs> I'm like, thank you so much. I don't want to pay eight hundred dollars for one. It's got a tiny little black plastic chip. But see, it wouldn't be a spare part because it's not a. It's not something normally. But normally, if you break that bit, you've broken the whole mirror. So I kind of yeah. understand, you know, that the the only option there would be to go ring a wreckers and get one. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's nuts sometimes like that. Like just they're know. like smash the mirror. That's fine. Wreck the motor. That's fine. Casing at the back. That's fine. Yeah, that chemicals. one little plastic bit that nobody cares about and doesn't cost five cents. Yeah, we got to have to replace everything. Yep. No, that's, that sounds about like, right. You're kidding me, right? Yep. Uh, no, it, it's not. It, that's quite common. It's um, I know with the uh, the Camry. Hybrid, well, the Camry that I had, the 2011 model, regardless of hybrid or not, they both have the same boot. The reversing camera, um, the it's a known fault. The plugs deteriorate and the plugs come apart. Yep. But they don't sell the plugs as an aftermarket part. They only sell the whole reversing camera. But they don't just sell the reversing camera as an aftermarket part. They sell the entire back strip that it attaches to. All right. But they don't just sell that by itself. It also includes the boot lock that you have to change. Which then means you have to you have to get it recoded to your key that you've got. So, <laughs> this twelve cent bit of plastic clip turns into like a nine hundred dollar accessory swap out. It's like it's bloody ridiculous, mate. <laughs> so, but, I see it, uh, but I don't believe it. Yeah, it happens quite a lot. It really does. Yeah. Uh, but but what, that's the way we're go going. Just go out the back where you've got the spare mirrors. Unscrew one from one that's yeah. already there. Can I find a hard damaged car? Yeah, there's plenty of them up here. Maybe you'll find one. Won't yeah, won't have to look too long. No, is it, your mirror is your mirror the same as mine? Just take it off for me and post it down. It's nuts the 
the oh, wait, it doesn't weigh five kilos. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's nuts the redundancy that's you know the just the nothing's replaceable anymore. Everything is just a throwaway society. Just chuck it out. You don't need it. You know, it's it's, it's yeah. ridiculous. It really is. It's crazy. Um, but unfortunately, because I, I had a customer today asking me if he could get um, he's got a a charger for a thing, a particular device, and. We know exactly what's wrong with it. We've we've discovered the fault, but that one component's not available, so it's a four hundred and ninety nine dollar replacement for the charger because you can't buy a twelve cent component. And then if you can buy it, mean? you can't find anybody who'll fit it for him because nobody does board level repairs anymore. So even if we we can find the component on eBay, most likely or somewhere on the internet, I'm sure we could find it. But you can't find anybody who'll desolder the old one and resolder the new one because they just don't do that anymore. They just want to replace the whole thing because that's just the society we're in now. Yep, your motherboard <coughs> has one resistor dies through the whole motherboard out by a new one. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a little different stuff like that because it is so a lot of that stuff is so incorporated now instead of yeah, having you're like surface mounting and stuff. Yeah, now, not but... even that. A lot of it's embedded now too. A lot of that stuff's embedded in the molding when they make it. It's all embedded in, as one as one unit. Yeah, um, but then you know, the power supply is your crux example. Ninety nine percent of the time, when a power supply fails, it's it's a bad capacitor for you know, a four dollar capacitor. But you throw it out and you buy another hundred dollar power supply because no, there's nobody around who'll replace that four dollar capacitor for less than the hundred dollars it costs you to buy a new power supply. No, that's right. So maybe one of those crazy guys on the Australian Vintage Computer Group would. Oh. had a nice chat to them the other night. Sure. We had a group chat there on Zoom. There was like 20 of us old fart geeks having a chat about the good old days and <laughs> what old computers they've got from the 1980s and 70s and the Vectrex and Apple leases. And they, Apple leases, their, their floppy disk, they got a cut in the top a, a notch for the read-write head. Yep. And on the bottom, they got one back here. So they've got a head on mm. the top at the front, one at the back there, so they can read twice as fast because there's two heads reading. But this side of the disc has the notch there and that side has it over here. Yeah. So they can be offset. That is like crazy. And the disc goes in sideways where the notch side is, not where you think it would go in where the reading part is. And that was that was amazing to see. <clears throat> that was the problem. I had I had an Apple Lisa, but I couldn't find the well, back then that was pre-internet, effectively. But I couldn't. I didn't realize they had different discs. And I could never understand why I couldn't get it to, oh, to do anything. Right. Yeah. It wasn't. Everyone said they must be so hard to find. He's like, no, I got tons of them. Look, here's a ten pack I just picked up the other day. You can get them anywhere now. We're like, yeah. really? I thought it'd be hard enough to get a double-sided, double density, let alone no, a special Apple. There's still companies actually making all those. They're all still yeah. actually been made brand new. Um, verbatim, still verbatim. making them. Uh, even the old, were always good, weren't they? Yeah, they, they were always, and even the old BLT drives and stuff like that, the old uh, reel to reels and all that, they're still making all the stuff for that. Nice. Um, nice. so yeah, it, it's pretty. It's um. But the, you want to hear the funny thing? One of the one of the guys they said to him, "Oh, so what stuff that you're into collecting?" He's like, "Oh, the game and watch." And they're like, oh, what's your favorite one? You know that oil panic one? <laughs> I was like, do I know that oil panic one, son? I'll tell you what. I just ported it to the Commodore 64. How's that? No. It... Go, sub go subscribe to Vinny's Free 64 magazine. So they're like, oh, quick, write it down, Free 64 magazine. 
Yes. How much a coincidence is that? Yeah, it's funny how stuff like that happens sometimes. But yeah, we were supposed to have a one-hour chat, and three hours later, I went to bed because I was just getting so tired of talking. But there's like twenty guys in the Zoom session all talking about the good old retro days, and someone's like, "Oh, I need this kind of mouse." Oh yeah, John's got four. John, can you get one of your mice over to this guy? Yeah, no worries. Oh, I haven't haven't got one of these components for this. Yeah, yeah, we got six of them. <laughs> Contact me after the chat and we'll get one over to you. Yeah. It's just like so much fun. It's like our old fart geeks, instead of two people, we got 10 times as many. That's it. All talking about, well, you know, as a young fella, I started off with the BZ200 and then I've got a Commodore 64. It was funny. I went the other way. Like I started off with like a Sega Master System 2 and then I went to an Atari 2600. Then I had a Commodore 64 and then I had a Omega 500. Like <laughs> I went backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I had one of those ones that got the pong type paddles and the yeah. light gun. Yeah, I'm still not sure which one I had. It might have been the Hanamix one. I'm not I sure. Think we, I think. And then another both. one that had color game that had uh, controls that with the pot turners. Yeah. You turn paddles, and you had a car that would have a green background with purple cars coming down the screen. You had to go left and right and dodge them as they come down the screen. And then there was another one where you had this motorbike that had jumps and it would go across the screen, getting up speed. And then down the bottom, you had to slow down and do press, turn left really quickly. So you do a wheelie and jump over the buses. And then you could turn it at the start of the next one, how many buses you want to jump and go flying across, across the screen. Across. Then they had another one where they had um, little white blocks in the middle of each line across the screen. And you had to do a little wheelie over the top of each one as you go across. I still haven't been able to find that exact game. It might have been Hanamix as well because I think they were really um, one of the main importers in Australia for that kind of thing. Yeah, it was, was really fun. And I remember because you could tell how it was programmed. If you look at the top of the screen and you turn left on your paddle, the next car that was coming, you would see it move to wherever your paddle was and then it'll start coming down the screen so oh, it'll okay. be going wherever you were currently at. They're using uh, Tetris logic. Yeah, but it was like <laughs> five or six pixels at the showing of the bottom of the car that shouldn't be on the screen. It should be up there so you don't see what it's doing when yeah. it plots where the car's coming from. You could see it just quickly move it across and then start coming down slow and you dodge this way, dodge that way. It was a lot of fun. I really like those were the first two that I had. And then I went into VZ200 and Total64. Yeah, there was a lot of those sort of generic... Uh, the, there was an era there where a lot of those consoles all sort of looked the same for 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Everyone was copying everyone back then. Nobody had copyright or IP or TM or anything on anything. Yeah. It was just a free-for-all. Let's all make something fun. Yeah. Pretty much. It was... Um, <laughs> Back in the good old, but then, I mean, nothing's changed really. No, <laughs> it's just probably got worse. Actually, everything's IBM compatible. Yeah, well, that's it exactly. So, shall we do some noose fellow? Oh, uh, suppose so. Beep, I suppose beep, so. Beep, 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 beep. Telstra wants to go through with a corporate restructure that could see it split its operations among three subsidiaries and sell some parts, though it said no final decisions have been made. CEO Andrew Penn called the restructure Telstra's biggest since privatization. 
and said it would involve extensive consultation with staff, regulators, unions, and other interested parties. Today, we're announcing an important milestone in our T22 strategy. In fact, an important moment in Telstra's long history, a proposed restructure of our business into three separate entities under a parent company, Telstra Group. And they sound like something that Google did when they did the alphabet. Ben said the three entities would be called InfraCo, Fixed, InfraCo Towers, and ServCo, although we noted ServCo was a placeholder name rather than an actual brand. ServCo is not a new brand name, I should say. We're just using that as a reference today for the purpose of differentiating this entity, which is focused on products and services and customer support from the infrastructure business. Telstra has already split off its infrastructure assets into a standalone business called InfraCo back in 2018. It now intends to further divide InfraCo into two parts, fixed and mobile. InfraCo fixed will own and operate our passive physical infrastructure assets, the ducts, the pipes, fiber data, fiber data centers, subsea cables and exchanges, all of which underpin our fixed telecommunications network. InfraCo towers will own and operate our passive physical mobile tower assets, which we'll look to monetize over time, given the demand and compelling valuation for this type of high quality infrastructure. Servco, meanwhile, would house all parts of Telstra that helped it deliver services and contributed to its competitive advantage. Servco will focus on how we create products and services, support customers and deliver the best possible customer experience, including maintaining our significant network leadership. Servco will own the active parts of our network, things like software defining network, defined networking that allows us to operate our network in a very dynamic way. It's important to understand that we are being very careful to retain key elements of our network in Servco. These include things like the radio access network equipment on our mobile towers, our spectrum holdings, and the electronics that light up the fiber in our fixed network, because all three of these underpin our strategic advantage and differentiation. So we're going to have three Telstra companies. <clears throat> yeah, because they, they got the, the first one, right? Right. <laughs> Privatizing that was the best idea ever, yeah? Mm. One thing I will say, though, I noticed the other day, Telstra now has, I was just trying to find it quickly, but I can't find it now. Telstra has um, an Internet of Things data plan. It's like 100, ah. 100 bucks or 100 meg for like $4 a month or something. So yep. if you're an IoT device and you're just doing like data transfer or basic scripting and stuff like that, that's not bad. All um, right. Yeah, Steve um, Kuchin, who's been on this podcast Maybe a couple of years ago, uh, Glenn had him on, and um, he's all in the Internet of Things at the moment. I think he does go around talking for Telstra to various companies and people around the world about different IoT stuff. Yeah, it's, um, I was just reading because they've just released a new 4G. I've been making a data logging device and it's been using a 3G data logger. Yep. But it's been super unstable lately. I don't know if the messing with the bands or I don't know what they're doing but it was working 12 months ago now it's not um, oh, but okay. the company's just released a 4G um, basically dongle that works with Arduino or whatever and along with that yeah you can get these um, these in there thing d- data sims sounds right so you know you can <clears throat> you can have multiple sims at that price point so if you've got like you can have 10 sim cards yeah um but they all just tie into that $100 pool, that 100 meg pool for $4 a month. And if you go over, they just charge you extra. But it doesn't, it's not per sim, it, that, that's combined. 
right. So it's really, really good for. Remember a few years ago when Telstra would let you get a spare SIM to chuck in your tablet or something? Now they say, no, you have to buy a whole new account for that, like $40 a month minimum. Because mm-hmm. they discovered people will. Yes. <laughs> I got 50 gigs a month. I used like 500 megs maximum a month on that data plan. I think I've got. And every every year they're like, hey, we're giving you more gigs. And I'm like, like you're a shit because it doesn't help me none. If I could use that shit data share sim, that would be fantastic but you won't let me do it so. yeah it's funny we use um we're on a family plan with there's about six of us on this family plan now yep and um i think we've got 85 gig or something between us in the pool <laughs> um and some months you won't um go anywhere near it and other months with a week to go you get a data warning saying you're down to like 500 meg so <laughs> it's so funny um yeah it's so funny how you have you got it in like tablets and stuff or? No, it's mostly just, just, it's just on everyone's phones, yeah. Um, just trying to think. But yeah, no. My it's... other problem is that I work from home. So if I'm at home, I'm on the Wi Fi. I'm, I'm at the radio station, I'm on the Wi Fi. I very rarely go out of the house other than that. So. Yeah, I don't use it. If well... I'm out of the house, it's like going down the shops, then I'm going back to the house. I'm not going to sit down at the shops and scroll through the Facebooks and stuff down there. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah. And that's before COVID. I'm on... I See, now that I've got... I used to use a lot too, um, but now I've got my Wi-Fi extender so I can get Wi-Fi down in the shed. So I don't use as much because when I was down there, I used to use it on the on the mobile data because I didn't have Wi-Fi down there. But now that I've it, it's down there, I no don't use it that much anymore either now. So, yeah. I mean, but yeah, it's funny. Some months you'll you'll get a thing saying you've got 500 meg left and other months you use two gig, you know. it's <laughs> I don't know. It's not consistent. No, it's not, it's really not. I think some of that comes down to um, every time there's an update with Facebook or YouTube, it resets the defaults back to HD and autoplay and stuff like that. And then over the coming month or so, you disable that and put it back to SD and disable autoplay. And then for the next couple of months, it's fine. Another update comes out and resets it's it back. again. So, over to you, sir. Um, let's see. What do I have here? Let's let's do the Windows 10. See again. This is why. Must you, we? <laughs> this is why I tell you, people, you don't need to update your computer if it's working. Windows 10, the latest, the latest um, uh, patch has broken Windows 10 again. So oh. a couple of months ago, it broke it. So that what did it do? stopped Office from working or something, and then last month to stop the entire 365 range from working. Uh, and now this month, it forgets all your passwords. What? Yeah. So basically, um, not only your login password, so you actually can't log in because it doesn't remember your password to let you log in. So you have to create a boot disk and go in the back way and reset all that. Um Anything that Microsoft stores, so anything that's stored in, in if you're still using um, Index Explorer or whatever that thing is, uh, what's it called? The Edge. Edge. That's it. Uh, anything in that, um, or anything that's stored in Windows as a default password, so like your network access and all that sort of stuff, it tends to figure all that. So you know, he's come it's on Microsoft. Fine. See, this is the thing people <laughs> say to me. 
you can program stuff, right? Now I saw this guy on TV who made his own antivirus. Why don't you do that? And I'm like, well, besides the fact that he would get funding for like $500,000 to a million dollars to be able to employ five to 10 people to start doing that for a whole year or so. Mm. It's so intricately intertwined with stuff that extracting the virus data only out of files and file systems, you can make one little mistake, <coughs> not an <coughs> antivirus, and screw up everybody's computers worldwide. Yep. And then you better have a lot of lawyers because it's too easy to make these kind of mistakes that the way that the viruses inject themselves into data streams and yep. file system streams and stuff like this, just to say this much of the stream is virus or these scattered around bits randomly are virus. Just take those bits out and now you can make the file back. That's not a very simple process. I don't know if it ever was, but it's certainly not anymore. Um, yeah, that's right. You know, some of the users, it's not just on the PC, like there's, Surface Pro 5 users are saying after they've upgraded, um, every time they log in, they have to sign into both their OneDrive and their OneDrive personal, and, oh, sorry, Drive, OneDrive personal and OneDrive business every time. Another <laughs> one says um, their Outlook is forgetting their passwords, which, you know, is a problem when you've got like 30 different email accounts. Um, Hopefully it doesn't try <laughs> a random password and lock your account on the <laughs> server. Um, not only MacMail does that. Um <laughs> Can't log into Office 365. Oh, you have to re-log into Office every every few hours. Uh, Adobe's same thing. Keeps saying that it's unregistered and you have to log in every couple of hours. Windows 10 settings app periodically requires users to fix their Windows Insider account configuration by re-authenticating itself. Um, biometric re-authentication requires re-authentication. Uh, LastPass password manager extension in Firefox keep asking users for their passwords. So... <laughs> Man, that must be a pain. It seems fine. I'm guessing I have, mine hasn't got the latest update in, installed I mean, yet. I don't, I don't think it breaks all of them, but it, it's a, certainly a significant number. That's the other thing. Sometimes <clears> it can be just like all Seagate drives are screwed, but if you don't have one, then you've got Corsair, you're fine. If you've got but, but it's not only a Seagate drive. It could be a Seagate drive if you've got a Mac store DVD drive and you've got um, you know, Corsair RAM. Yeah, yeah, it's just like this, and then your computer blue screens, and you lose all your windows because yeah. it scrambles. It's just like this, and your whole hard drive's gone. One random configuration that explodes, and everything else is fine. Yeah, so I don't know. They've been doing it long um, enough now. There's no excuse for it. Anymore. They should have the hang of it by now. <laughs> you uh, would think. You think? Apparently uh, not. Aussie Broadband is continuing to dominate NBN Co's highest residential speed tiers with 85% of signups to gigabit plans and 56% of 250 megabits per second users. Recently listed telcos increased the number of up to 1,000 slash 50 megabits per second services from 5,080 uh, yeah, in mid-August to 6,218 services by the end of September. It's also increased the number of active 25025 services from 2,264 at the end of June to 4,099 at the end of September, an 81% increase in the space of three months. In total, NBN Co. had 7,255 active, up to 10, uh, 1,000 megabits services and 7,223 250 megabit services by the end of September. These are encouraging growth figures considering that neither construct existed prior to May 29 this year. 
and they undoubtedly played a part in NBNCO's recent announcement of $4.5 billion in upgrades to make more of the NBN capable of supporting these speeds, which they should have done in the first damn place. Thank you, Liberal government. <clears throat> However, Australia Aussie broadband is set to face more competition on these tiers, particularly as NBNCO moves ahead with heavy temporary discount called the Focus on Fast. Already more retail service providers are offering up to 1,000 megabit services. According to the latest release of numbers by Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, Telstra has 54 active, up to 1,000 megabit service, TPG 116 and Optus 114, all previously had zero active users as at the end of June 30. Other access seekers, i.e. those outside the top six, include the likes of Superloop, are also growing their share of the market. ACCC's numbers will soon be much harder to read, however, as they face six months queue due yet to another temporary discount being operated, offered by uh, MBN Co. The focus on fast essentially prices all plans 100 meg and above at 56 a month wholesale for six months, starting December 1. This means many customers may appear on higher speed tiers for six months and face a choice of paying full price or dropping down to a lower speed tier. It also means that ACCC's numbers will temporarily skew making it much harder to determine how many users actually want top-tier plans versus those just on them due to a discount offer. Focus on Fast is also a test of a theory NBN Co has floated over the past year. Well, on that, Aussie Broadband is laying 720-core optic fibre cable throughout the Sydney Harbour Tunnel. Wow! The... Um the as part of the company's privately owned dark fiber rollout for New South Wales. The New South Wales build marks another step in its network rollout expected to be finished by early next year. Stored by Global Universe uh, Utility Construction, the fiber cable will link Sydney CBD to North Sydney. Um, Philip Britt said, which is managing director, a really nice guy too. If you ever get a chance to chat with him, I'll have to do that again one day. He's, you should do an yeah. interview. Yeah, anyone think I've done an interview the way I'm talking? <laughs> I'll try not to lose all the data this time. Um, so the tunnel is a significant part of the build because it's stringed together the main fibre. Uh, in many ways, it's very similar to our first build in Melbourne. We'd originally planned to install a cable through the water, like a submarine cable, but there was already available duct that runs through the tunnel, so I decided to use that. Aaron White, Managing Director of Global Utility Construction, said the company has had to operate on a strict schedule to complete the work due to heavy traffic in the tunnel, with a four-hour window available on specific nights only. Approximately two kilometres of fibre has been laid, uh, it runs from NBN Daily P Point of Interest, uh, Point of Interconnect, through the tunnel and out to North Sydney. The next POI is the uh, north in St Leonard's, which is about two to three k's north of the tunnel. The new fibre network can offer speeds ten gigabit for customers, for business customers, and excess of a hundred gigabit for specialist applications. It'll pick up three Equinox, da Equinox data centres at Alexandra and the NBN POIs in Newton, Glebe, City, South, and Daly. <coughs> The hardest part because there's about three and a half k's of civil construction needed in Alexandria alone. Um, they should be all connected about the same time. Sydney will be a simple run from Alexandria to Port Macquarie Park to Macquarie Park, but diverse path will follow. There's around a thousand metres to construct in Macquarie Park. Will pick up two data centres, next DCS one and next DCS two. Britt said in Victoria, Aussie Broadband is running fibre to suburban NBN POIs in Hawthorne, Kew, Baldwin North, Narrawading, and Ringwood, St Kilda, Caulfield, and Cheltenham. NBN POI is expected to complete within the next few months. We plan to build a fully diverse route to over 75 NBN POIs and 24 key data centers across Australia. Fast. That's what I like. <coughs> Fast internet. Oh, excuse me. A random coughing fit for no apparent reason. Um, well, yeah, Fast. 
you know, low latency, obviously, because it's going to directly to the data centers. So, when you when you got a daughter that plays these twitch movement <clears throat> games where you have to snipe somebody and then run away and yeah. hide up behind them and all that sort of stuff, Lightning. you don't want your lags and your on pins and stuff. No, the faster you can get moving, the better. So it's really, really, really interesting that they're doing that. Um, you know, they're forking out. They they've got to be spending more than anybody else on infrastructure. And before Aussie Broadband decided to offer the high speed, everyone's like, nah, nah, nobody will want them. Bet you don't get one sign up. Lol, lol, ha, ha, ha. Oh, you got what, 7,000? <laughs> in a week. Oh, yeah. uh, we, we <laughs> want to get in on that now. Everybody quick upgrade. Yeah, suddenly there's NBN that maxed out at 100 can suddenly max out at a gig. Yeah, well, I've got to say 25 should be good enough for anyone. Yeah. You know, and not only that, like, as I was saying, they can offer speeds of up to 10 gig for businesses and 100, 100. gig for specialist applications, which would be festivals and whatever where they need, you know, multiple multiple. And then North Korea is already at, like, up to 1,000 gigabit and stuff, so... Yeah. <laughs> we might catch up one day. Uh, I don't know. Um, well, actually, what do you do next story? I'll find this other thing. I'll find and there's, a, like, $40 a month for, like, 100 gigabit everybody in the country yeah pretty much did you like s- oh you could pay 150 and you might get one gigabit lol did you see that they the great wall of china they nuked the great wall for a few months to see what happened ah oh. and everybody's so so brainwashed into only accessing these few sites and not these other ones that they noticed almost no difference in nobody went flow. to the places they weren't <laughs> supposed to go because they didn't think they could it was like six months i don't know if it's, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's still down but yeah they pulled it down for like six months to to do a test and yeah nobody went anywhere they weren't supposed to because they're so used to just going to these places and the other ones were already <laughs> using vpn so it didn't matter yeah exactly that's right <laughs> amazon is recalling three hundred and fifty thousand of its ring video surveillance doorbell units in the u.s plus another eight thousand seven hundred in canada according to a November 10 recall notice from Consumer Product Safety Commission. The recall pertains to the second-generation model, 5UM5E5, which is labelled on the back of the original packaging or on the unit itself. You can also see if your unit is impacted by entering the device serial number. That's either labelled DSN or SN on the search bar on the Ring support page. According to the CPSC, Ring has received 85 reports outlining doorbell incidents wherein the user incorrectly installed the unit into their home using the wrong kind of doorbell screws. In 23 of so those cases, the doorbells Monday. actually Sorry. ignited and caused minor property damage. In eight cases, Ring received ports of minor burns. The safety of our customers, our top priority, Ring tells popular, mechanic, popular mechanics in a statement, we have and continue so to work cooperatively with the CPSC in this issue have contacted customers who purchased Ring Video Doorbell 2nd Gen to ensure they receive the updated user manual and follow device installation instructions. Customers do not need to return their devices. Using the wrong screws to install the doorbell can lead the battery to overheat, posing fire and burn hazards, according to Ring. If you've installed the camera correctly, though, there's no risk of combustion. You can identify these doorbell cameras, which Amazon sold for about $100 between June and October of this year, by the blue ring on the front of the unit. They come in two color schemes, satin nickel, which is black and silver, and Venetian bronze, which is black and bronze. 
Too. I think your doorbell set your house on flame. In. I'm mildly concerned that simply having the incorrect screws in your doorbell can like make the thing explode. That's potentially I'd classify that as a design fault. <laughs> Didn't Samsung do that with their phones at one stage? No, no, they just put the wrong batteries in them. <laughs> that wasn't wasn't a design fault. Oh, well, I can guess. Maybe this they've got longer screws that are going into the back of the battery and through the casing. But why are you mounting? That's why you mount the back plate on and then you clip the device on you don't mount through the... uh, I don't know it seems I don't know how this thing works it seems interesting but yeah have you it's seen enough for 85 people to set their house on fire or boot themselves <laughs> apparently anyway. yeah so have you seen the um the w, the new obviously WWE's been ro- rolling through this this whole year have you seen what they do with their what they call their virtual audience they basically no. it's it's I'll tell you what, the bandwidth these guys have must be freaking insane. Because basically what they do is they have a thousand monitors across the background there. And every single one of those is a video call to a, a paying audience member. So they're live they, action video conferencing what? with all those people. That is nuts. <laughs> I was trying to find a video clip of it. I can't. I can only find some still pictures. But just the, yeah, like <clears throat> it's it's just insane that that's you know, even, even able to be done. There we go. Yeah. There's a better picture of it. And just the, like, it's all, um, it's all motion. Like, they're, they're not still frames. Like, it's all live. You can watch it. It's all like 30 frames a second. Real people, you know, yeah. like a real audience sitting there booing, cheering. They've all got audio. Like, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, the, I just can't f- fathom the amount of bandwidth they must have going through that. Hang on, I can see one guy in there like ten times. Yeah, they, this is the one of the earlier tryout ones. This particular. I know one. that. <laughs> um, you'll see across the front there. There's there's like. The they same should do one back. of those new. I don't know. I don't think we talked about it here. I saw it on YouTube that when they're doing movies now, you know how they have the green screen behind them, and then they later project a building into there. Yeah. Now they got this semicircle curved screen that goes three quarters of the way around around stage and when the actors go in there they real time draw the background that the actors are going to be standing in which wraps right around including colors and reflections so that if you've got somebody comes into the scene and there's a rock over here that's been rendered in 3d with cgi the rock will reflect off his helmet correctly so it would look like there's an actual rock there even though there isn't. Yeah. They're act- acting to an existing environment and then they've got, instead of the 3D people being there for like six or 12 months after the whole movie's done, they sit watching the movie while the actors are there and they'll say, okay, I want you to go over here. So they move the screen around or rotate and move things around and then they're like, okay, we need a spaceship to fly across there because instead of before the actor going, oh, yeah, I'll just imagine there goes a spaceship, they actually have the spaceship 3D rendered and flies across the sky in front of them, which then gets filmed. So the actors are acti- actually acting to the 3D scene happening while they're there rather than just, oh, there's a green screen, <coughs> I'll just pretend there's something there. It, it makes it a lot easier to, you know, because you know, this is all green screen, obviously. Is it? And Don't give away your secrets, man. You know, I've got real brick wall behind me. <laughs> Stone wall. 
Jackson. You've got a, you've got a stone wall that that stops about a foot short from where it should. <laughs> but um, yeah, and, that, and that's the thing with with green screen. That's always been one of the downsides to to doing whether it's blue screen, green screen, whatever they choose to use. Um, it never looks one. It doesn't matter how good their acting is and how good the CGI is. It just never looks quite right because at the end of the day, you still performing in front of a green screen that doesn't have any visual effects got, on it. This is Judge Binks. He's about six. Yeah, he's about seven foot tall. So just look at this little white yeah. ping pong ball up here and pretend that some guy with a he's a he's a have a very funny voice. Yes. Yeah. He's a thinking you're crazy. But he's gonna be up here and that's what you're looking at. But now they could actually have the character come in behind them and turn around and go, Oh yeah, how are you doing? Look straight up at them. Well, I know they've tried it too with um almost like a VR sort of deal. Um where they've given the the actors that are playing what would be the CGI, whether it's the monsters or, or whatever, given them um, VR goggles so they get to see from their perspective. So if they're only a person who's you know five, six foot tall playing a 20-foot monster, they actually yeah. get altered reality and they can look at their... They're still they only look seeing... look down on the people in yeah, front of them. They're still only seeing... The, the the live action I'm not seeing the backgrounds not seeing all that stuff but their their yeah. camera angle is 20 foot above them so they can look like they're and their their head con- controls that camera so that camera looks where they look give me back my precious you son of a bitch <laughs> smack yeah pretty much 20 foot tall smeagol um <laughs> and yeah and that's that's basically what it is it's um so that they can motion track the camera at the same time so that when they actually have first person view it's it's would actually be it's as if that down. person was looking at them yeah so, yeah it's it's interesting um it's fantastic how, how the green screen stuff actually works but it's it's hard but yeah no i, I, I did see something about that so hopefully that'll help um help with the the problem is is I think because we're used to it, you look at the early CGI stuff. Look in um, Star Wars, the classic example, where they're flying towards the the um, Adats and they they fire out the yes, I said Adat, so sue me. They fire the uh, trip trip cords into the feet and they run around, around them to trip them. If yep. you actually look, <clears throat> the way they had to do it was that was two that was before green screen, so they had two actual live video overlays. And they have to make the one in front slightly transparent so you can see the one behind it. So if you look closer in a lot of the scenes where where the the um, where they're flying around and they've got the black edges of the windscreen, you can actually often see the legs in slight detail through the black bit because they had bleed through from the two overlays. Oh, right. So they've come a long way. Mad know. stuff doing it back then too. Oh, it was so much harder because everything had to be done manually. Every frame. Watch all the behind the scenes <laughs> stuff on YouTube. Yeah. The frames had to be manually overlaid and like it was no... I mean, I remember watching a Norman Gunston episode back in the day and yeah. they to roll the screens, um, to roll the credits at the end of the film, it was literally uh, like an overhead projector effectively with a camera looking at it. But the overhead projector was a monitor of whatever a camera was seeing. So you had a camera showing, say, a picture of the audience which would display onto this overhead projector. It would display... Th- well, they were... 
they were like an overhead projector. They had an LCD screen with a light shining through the bottom of them and a camera looking down on that. And then they would have a clear film on two rollers that they would literally roll and scroll this film across the top of it. And I remember watching an episode one day where it stopped and then you saw this hand come in and just push the film a couple of times to get it moving again. So when they when they did the crawl for the start of Star Wars and they got it all written out on this great big long cellophane yeah. stuff and they start the camera here and then slowly move yeah. it across all the lettering. So Yeah, that, that was done the opposite now way. Built into every video editing app. Well, I mean OBS does it, you can see all the scrolling text and you know, it's just all it's just expected that you can do that these days. Yeah, say so what is that scrolling text about anyway? Well, nothing now because it's blank. Your, your time is impeccable. <laughs> Why doesn't that wrap before it blanks? Because I haven't fixed what, that. What does this text say now? Uh, yes, yeah, so we do have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Um, it uh, has several tiers there. It just allows us to, um, you know, we, we're not monetized on YouTube. We're not, we're not uh, successful enough for that. So. Um, you know, any donations do help. They do go Thanks towards... to both of our watches. Yeah. <laughs> so it, do, it does help us out um, with with equipment and with uh, hosting and with software and, and various bits and pieces when, when the time comes. Um, you know, so, yeah, so you can go there. And um, we have uh, also a uh, KO.FI. KO.FI.com. KO-FI. I do it every time. I knew I was going to. I knew I was going to do it wrong too. I'm like, yeah, this is wrong. It even is a hyphen. Something somebody just invented. Slash so Aussie real. tickets. Um, so thank you, our patrons. Uh, we have um, Kate. We've got uh, Bouncing Yellow Skull, um, and then we have Daniel and Amanda D. Um, <coughs> oh, these random coughs tonight. I tell you what. Me too. Oh, I don't know what's going on. Um, we have David Bird. We have Chris, and yeah, as I said, we've got our Ko Dash Fi slash Aussie Tickets, I think it is. Dot com slash Aussie Tickets. Yes. And, and uh, then we've also got a PayPal if you wish to go that way and you can do a subscription through a one-off payment or whatever through there. We've got Andrew G. Who does that? We have yeah. Andrew G. in the house. G. Word. Is that so, like a cousin of Ali G? Um, well, I don't know. I have to, I have to get him on one day and ask him. <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen, that would be awesome. <laughs> See the new. Um, he could do Julian from Madagascar. See the new. Um, oh, I've got a complete blank. I can't think of his name now. The dude who wore the mankini up the beach. Um, the. Yes. Oh, the, the, his name. Oh, man. Seriously. I watched the movie. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say they just got a new movie out. <laughs> oh, I can't believe I can't remember that. Um. That, that guy, but who he he regrets actually doing that character. Ah, um, he said he went and too far. Then he far did another sometimes. one at Borat. Borat, yeah, that's it. Well, the second one's toned down a lot. <laughs> he toned it down. He said he, he went too far the first time. He said he's gone gone and sorted out all the Republicans. Now he's going to take on Mark Zuckerberg for his pranks. Yeah, <laughs> try and take what for Mark Zuckerberg's pranks or? He's going to try and take down Mark's power over the world with. Politics and stuff. Oh, more Bill Gates is the issue at the moment, but anyway. How um, is it? These things I don't understand. You you watch Borat 1, right? Everybody knows it's happened and what happens in it. Then he comes along, same character, three years later, he goes, 
Yeah, I'm a real person that you've never seen before or in a movie or on TV or nothing. And they fall for it. And you're like, serious? How out of touch are you? Oh, I'm just a politician. I just watch Fox News and that's it. None of these movies, none of this entertainment. I don't have a sense of humor, so I don't watch humorous shows. That's it. Exactly. What's a Borat? Come into my room. Watch me lie down on the ground, on the bed and play with my pants. A Borat. I was adjusting my pants. I took a microphone off. Sure you were, Rudy. <laughs> a Borat. Isn't that the thing out of the Mandalorian that they ride around in the second episode? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> It's something, I'm sure it's something like that. I actually just got into that, just started watching they, that today. They had Womp Rats. Yeah, just started watching. The first one. Mandalorian, yeah. We decided it's um, three years old now, we should sort of start watching it's it. It's awesome. <laughs> it's like a spaghetti western, but in space. It really is. It's so much funnier than I was expecting it to be, so I'm glad. Serenity, Serenity, <laughs> Firefly kind of thing. Yeah. No, we're to, we just, just finished watching the second episode, so. It's great, yeah. <clears> I've got to watch it again. Yeah. Well, it, Thought we probably should. It's you know time to catch up. You already know about the child, obviously. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the best part of it. Yeah. Um, I love the the crazy robot that goes after. And speaking of space things, um, Orville, season three. <gasps> yes, yeah, season three. Season three. Oh man, man, hang for that. Seth MacFarlane. Can't wait for that to come out. Apparently, not, they, too, like... not too much borders this time. We had so much borders heavy episodes, it was driving me up the wall. I want something a bit different. Well, they ran out of actors. <laughs> I, I love that super strong chick. Well, they got a yeah, she was cute and awesome, and then she buggered off. And I was like, well, I'll just, just fill it in with borders episodes. Like, yeah, hey, bring her back. She was hot. It was, um. Yeah, but no, so it'll be good. Season three. It's and his wife, like, Kelly, she's awesome. It's supposed to be like... I love her. Heaps of... Apparently, have invested it all. They've had a whole time to invest in it. So, apparently, they've really nailed it this time. They've, they're so much happier. And with the writing's it. been getting so much better. Yeah. But well, some, somebody was saying recently, I was I saw that um, he wanted to do a Star Trek, official Star Trek um mm. Series and they said no, so he started doing Orville based on the same sort of things. And like, well, it's really kind of Star Trek, really, isn't it? It really is a spin-off. It, it's we'll but, just say but, it is, but it's it's original Star Trek. Like, yeah, the, the go back to the roots of what Star Trek originally was with a bit of comedy. And have you seen? Of... Apparently, what else is fantastic is the animated Below Decks. Haven't seen it. I've seen it. I've seen a preview of it. I haven't actually watched it. I've seen a lot it. of people saying it's fantastic. I haven't seen anything at all about it. No, I've only seen a, tra- a preview on YouTube. Um, it seems fine for the 30 seconds that I've seen of it. <laughs> so, That's good. Um, speaking of Microsoft. Because <laughs> why not? Uh, well, I was in my previous news, two news stories ago. So it's <laughs> close enough to a follow on. <laughs> Um, Still the same show, right? Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Avast. Elaine Lovers. Warns of Microsoft skin mod apps fleecing millions of Android users. Oh. I say Microsoft because Microsoft owns Minecraft now, if you didn't know. So I blame them. But uh, active Minecraft modding Do you know how, apps... how many things didn't go wrong before Microsoft bought Minecraft? <laughs> I know, right? Next up, Microsoft buys Linux. Ever since then, we've <laughs> got a story every week. It's fantastic. Uh, active Microsoft modding apps on uh, Google Play are fleecing subscribers through hefty payment models, researchers have warned. Uh, malicious mobile apps um, they come in many forms. 
some iOS or Android apps may have Trojan code embedded in them. Um, stealing your online credentials. Others are considered spyware, monitoring your phone calls, message logs, GPS data, online activity. Or nuisanceware, which is pop-up ads, um, degrading system performance, that sort of stuff. Or there's fleeceware, which, um, while not necessarily dangerous, fleeceware apps still deprive unwitting users of hard-earned cash by providing poor goods at high prices. Which is basically what they're doing with the Minecraft mods at the moment. There's, because in their infinite wisdom, you can no longer pay to play on a server, uh, per se. Um, not on a public server, anyway. Um... People have come up with ways of making skins and patches and flights and all sorts of packs and stuff, and they're charging people for it. Um, but Which they're charging against Minecraft's terms <coughs> of service, right? Because they had that thing yes where no. people like had like high pixel and stuff, and then they said you can't charge for somebody to get a golden apple that makes you fly or something, and Minecraft Mine, uh, Mojang will come after you and shut your account down or something. Yes, you can't you can't charge for things that you can access in the game. But yeah. what they're doing is they're charging for things like skins where somebody's actually gone and built a skin so that technically you can charge for that because it's not uh, it's not part it's of the not game. It's not an in-game item. Yeah. Um yep. but what they're doing for example is one of the more expensive ones they found, you can hire a skin for $30 a week. What the what? <laughs> yeah. So Basically, they basically expect you to forget the fact that you've used your mum's credit card to sign up to hire a skin. Um, and, um, yeah, so they're charging a weekly amount to have this skin, you know. So there's a, there's a whole heap of other stuff they're doing. There's Ten-year-old like, kids, you agree to this recurring transaction? Yes. Yeah. Are you over 18? Yes. yes. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. Oh, i got a great skin, mum. Mm. It's wonderful, love, honey. Where's all mummy's money gone? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm only spending $120 a month on that one skin. I've got about 12 skins. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not just that. There's other stuff. There's even stuff like um, backgrounds for your phone and different icons. And the same's happening with Roblox, obviously. HC wallpapers and backgrounds and all that sort of stuff. So just be wary that that's a thing that can happen. Um, it's not... Yeah, there's not much recourse for getting your money back either because it's something terms and conditions you've agreed to. So it's not technically in breach of any terms. So they're not apps that breach terms for the Play Stores and stuff because they're not, not doing good. anything wrong. Yeah. They're just not not nice. <laughs> nice. Basically. Not really good. Yeah. Speaking of which, John was saying that he's just set up his first Minecraft server in the house. And first started playing Minecraft. I'm like, dude, we used to have a podcast for years. What's episodes about Minecraft? Why'd you stop? Well, they stopped doing updates for like six months and then they bring out a nice <laughs> update and then they stop for six months and yeah. then they bring out nice. And we're like, six months is okay, but we've still got like six times four, 24 episodes to try and make up in the meantime of looking at other people's servers and... Yeah. Have a look at my server and what, how you been? Good. Yeah. Hey, look, I caught a fish. It's just not that interesting. I mean, now they're starting to bring out some more interesting that's things. It. But. And I mean, we could probably honestly bring it back and then, in, you know, incorporate like Roblox and Minecraft esque 
Because at the time we did it, we were doing that, but there weren't that many variations on the theme. But now I think, especially with the different versions, Bedrock version, and you know, there's enough Cube variation World, now. Yeah, Cube, Cube World. World. There's probably enough variation now where we could probably look at doing that again. Everybody's making voxel stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it's that low low quality graphics that nobody wants to see. Freaking easy <laughs> programming. Uh, and you can make $4 billion out of it, obviously. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Roblox, they finally got an agreement with the guy that they stole one of their sound effects from. <laughs> when when you die in Roblox, there's this little kid sound that goes, Arf! Yeah. And you, you explode. They actually took that out of somebody else's game. <laughs> and uh, he found out, and so he sued them. So they've only just come to an agreement. They're not going to say how much they had to pay him. But it's been in every Roblox for the last 10 years. Plus, now you can't, they can't use that in the game as the normal sound effect. So they're going to make a new one. But you can pay 100 Robux, which is like $1, and buy that sound effect to put it back into your character if you like it that much. I was going to say, what's the bet? It's like a dollar from every, you know, from every server that's been started or something. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Still not a bad way to make a few million bucks without doing anything. <laughs> it could be every character on there, and it's like one of the biggest it's just, community it's, networked computer systems in the world now. It's only a dollar for every death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing when you're playing something like Fishing Simulator and you've swum all driven your boat way out to the middle of nowhere doing your fishing. You're like, I need to go back to the main town to check on something. It's just easy to kill yourself and then you suddenly appear in the town and yeah. you go off and do something. But if you've got to hop in your boat and all the way back, That's then it. it takes too long, so you just can't be bothered. It's like, okay, suicide time. Oof. Um, you got any more stories? The US Justice Department has seized over $1 billion worth of Bitcoin cryptocurrency, which it says are the part proceeds of sales of illicit goods and services at the now-defunct underground online marketplace Silk Road. <laughs> U.S. prosecutors said <laughs> Sorry, that when fun. it was taken down in 2013, Silk Road had sales revenue totaling over 9.5 million Bitcoins with commission from the sales over 600,000 Bitcoins. To frustrate tracking of the flow cryptocurrency in the immutable blockchain distributed database used for Bitcoin, Silkroad used tumblers that will perform a series of complex semi-random transactions to obscure payments. The Justice Department is now seeking the forfeiture of the cryptocurrency, which had been in the possession of an unnamed hacker whose identity is known to the US government, who hacked Silkroad and stole the Bitcoin. While Silkroad founder Ross Ulbricht learned the identity of the hacker and threatened the person in order to get the Bitcoin returned. However, the hacker kept the Bitcoin but did not spend it. In the past, the US government has auctioned off forfeited cryptocurrency. Silk Road was seized by the government in 2013 with officials describing the underground website as a massive illegal drug and money laundering marketplace. Albright was convicted in 2015 of seven counts of enabling illegal drug sales via Bitcoin. He was sentenced to life in prison and lost an attempted appeal in 2017. So what they meant to say is it's a massive corrupt underground that we're not involved in. Yes. Yeah. So that was the so problem. Stole their money, and now it's our money. Yeah, exactly. That's 
That's the only difference. Well, if you won't share it, we'll take the lot and go home. That's pretty much literally what it comes down to. They weren't paying taxes, so it becomes a problem. I bet you, I yep. guarantee you, if they were paying taxes or paying more than tax, they would have left them alone. Yep. You know, it's just... Exactly. But they, it's just funny they think they shut it down. Oh, that's cute. Like the well, Australian <laughs> government shut down our access to BitTorrent, didn't they? So we're yeah, all very yeah, sad they, about they, that. They really upset the users of... Um, of Pirate Bay, you know, they're completely just distraught for yeah. several seconds. Can't, can't go there anymore. <laughs> There's no Pirate Bay on the internet. Yeah. Or kick torrents or the other or 500. LimeWire or Emule or eDonkey or <laughs> whatever they all are. Uh, Napster. Son, we all started with Napster. That's Napster where it all began. Is Napster still Didn't he make a lot of money? He did until Metallica, Metallica got his, their mitts into him. Uh, is Napster still around? Oh, yeah, it is. US.napster.com. Yeah. Play more. Try Napster Premium for 30 days. Millions of songs, no ads. We had it free, so we don't care. Canceling time. 30 days free, then $10 a month. <laughs> yeah, have it no. A lot of interesting stories about that guy. I read them up on the internet. Yeah. Any more stories for you? Tim Berners-Lee. Uh, that guy? You know that Who guy? Who is that guy? Oh, I don't know. I did something with the internet once. Oh, I did that. <laughs> Nobody knows about me either. <laughs> so, basically, Sir Tim Berners-Lee um, effectively created the the public space in the internet. Um, prior to that, it was effectively a glorified billboard for use by the military, uh, is the short answer. And then he came along and made it a... A, public, a worldwide a pub, thing, a right? Pub, a public domain. Well, it wasn't it, not even initially. No, <laughs> it wasn't even worldwide. But he made a. It, it was his next server in his office. To, pro, yeah, but it's still there. I think the one in the uni. I think it's still they still run it up. Um, basically, it was a BBS. So it was effectively you'd leave a message, and then that would upload, and then I'd read it, and then I'd leave a message, and then that would upload, then you'd read it. So it wasn't. It was close to real time, but it was never real time. He basically turned that into real time so that he could send, um, didn't he just send hell the first time or was it hello W? I can't remember the, the first, the first transmission that in real time where as he was sending it, the other person was seeing it and it crashed the first time. And I think instead of saying hello world, I think he just sent hell the first time, (laughs) (laughs) but they, yeah, it was literally that, that. That's where the difference differentiated. He basically created something that was, yeah, something into real time that was usable in in in, you know, in a one on one initially situation. Then it obviously developed from there and stuff. But he's basically the the grandfather of the internet, as they call him. <laughs> um, but if you're not happy with tech giants owning and controlling your data online, um, Sir Tim Berners Lee startup, uh, Interrupt, could provide the answer. Uh, he's credited with creating the web while working at CERN. He's announced the first enterprise-ready version of... Ir- of That's hard to say. In- interrupt. <laughs> it just doesn't flow. Uh, Sounds like something from the British. It's just going to interrupt you, isn't it? <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I'm going to fong you. <laughs> you end up with an interrupt. <laughs> uh, his enterprise social server, open source program, aims to embody the World Wide Web. Consortium. Consortium? Consortium? Consortium. Consortium. There we go. I knew it would get it eventually. 
Interrupt wants Interrupt wants to steer the web in a new direction away from its control by a few tech and social media giants. The company proposes to do this via pods compatible to personal USB sticks for the web, which aren't locked to a single platform and give users control over the access to their data. Uh, it was launched with him and John Bruce, who's his co-founder, uh, which provides users with controls to give them a chance, a choice about where their data is stored and how apps access their data. The project goals are lofty, but so was the web when he sketched out his ideas in 1989. <clears throat> so there you go, that was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, the web should empower equitable, informed, and interconnected society. It has been and should continue to be designed to enable communications and knowledge sharing for everybody in the 30 years since development. It's become clear that the web platform can often be used in ways to subvert that mission. Um... So, basically, it's instead of the your data, the way I, I read, I haven't read a lot into it. I've had a quick read of it. And the way I understand it is that basically, all at the moment, all your um, caches and all your cookies and everything are all stored. Some are stored on your computer, but also some of those are stored on the website that you visit for tracking and password remembering and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I can match your cookies and say what's been where. I think the idea, the idea is that you, instead of you storing half the data and they store half the data, you store all that data and then choose whether or not you want to share it back with that website next time you go there. I think if I'm It's just going to way. end up like um, iPhone and Google though, isn't it? You want to do something, <clears> it's like, we need access to this. Yes, we also need that. Yes, 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 yes. Just... Take access to everything, but probably under the first. It's like you, you put in a a um a phone number system. It needs we need access to your camera. Yeah, but like, I mean, prob- I'm just talking on the phone. Probably not necessarily because you it wouldn't work. You like you wouldn't worry about it with YouTube, and you wouldn't worry about it with you know certain sites you'd go to. It would only be things like banking and stuff like that where you'd have full control over you know mm. PayPal that sort of stuff. Um, would I would imagine I, don't, I can't see it being general browsing being affected. Like you probably wouldn't even know it's a thing. Um, but it, it basically want to bring it back to being a personal web experience rather than a commercial web experience. Effectively, yeah. um, I think is the idea, which is interesting because they kind have kind of hinted in a way. The only way they can do that um, is to quite literally rewrite the way the internet works. So it's kind of like an internet mark two, which if you've been listening to the show for a while, you'll understand that I've been talking about for four or five years that the internet can't continue and be reliable and resourceful and usable in its current form it's to to be needs to be refined but to be refined and to be improved upon it needs to be redesigned because the way it works it was never intended to do it's surprising it's even working it was never intended to do what it's doing now which is um proof of the fact that we've run out of ip addresses or ip4s anyway it was never designed to have this amount of traffic and coding It it just wasn't designed to do that so they really need to redesign it from the ground up in such a more sleek and streamlined manner to allow 
the data to be controlled correctly because at the moment, honestly, like the ISP gets their cut, the government takes what they want, the website holds their stuff, you hold some of your stuff. I'm sure some gets Dead lost. Parties. In, yeah, you know, the, the three viruses you've got take their stuff. Um, I'm sure that there's third-party stuff that takes more information and I'm sure there's random stuff that gets lost along the way as well. Just try running Brave <laughs> and then see how much stuff they blocked. Yeah, exactly. Um, Didn't they try and do something like that with the universities made the internet too and they just communicate all their stuff through there now which is a lot safer. And the, It's more like, a, well yeah, you'd almost call that an intranet rather than internet. It's it's Yeah, but they named the <clears throat> internet too. They did. And then they went along and actually released WW2 and WW3 and WW4 as, as web addresses. Um, but nothing changed. Um, Only for them. Yeah, and I don't know how much different that is because I think they still rely on IP protocoling and stuff like that. I don't know how different it actually was in in, yeah. in practice. What the, you know, It was quicker and faster, but that's mainly because it was a stripped-down version that didn't have all the bloat with it. So get rid, Yeah, get rid of a lot of legacy stuff. Yeah. Um, if you've ever watched... Um, over listened to or read um, some of the Neil Stevenson stuff, whether it's Diamond Age or whether it's um, Snow Crash. Um, uh, or there's another one that I'm having a hard time thinking of at the moment. But they hint at this sort of complete upheaval and rework of, of information sharing and completely change the way that it's designed to work. Like your internet revolves... Instead of your internet just working with what's there, you create your internet for you, and it. it Cryptonomicon. It, crypto, that's the other one. Yeah, Cryptonomicon. Um, that was fantastic. Yeah, and but not that that one. But Snow, Snow Crash, Diamond Age, and there's a third. What there's another one. Um, Web. Uh, um, uh, Reamed. Uh, Reamed. I think it's Reamed. Called. Reamed. Yeah, that's the other yep. one. Um, and they can, yeah, he basically describes in detail how they completely restructure the internet to function to work for you. The internet works for you and does what you want it to do. And everybody's version of their internet works together. So right. everybody has a different concept of what their internet is and it's structured and set up for what they want to do. But the back ends all talk together and the internet works together. But it's, it's, it's in such a way that it's real time to the point where you know the start of, um, or you know uh, Ready Player One, like we're talking about, where you're literally immersed in this world and it's a real-time world that you function in. Well, this is yeah. what he imagines the internet to be restructured like. So when you're immersed in it, it is actually effectively a second world. It, it's it's uh. it's designed in such a way that it works what you want it to be. So if, if you've read those books, you'll understand what I'm getting at. If you yeah, Ready Player One, you, you'll sort of get... But that's kind of what a lot of people who have talked about restructuring the internet, that's kind of the way they've envisioned it to go. So, which I think it has to because it, it's 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 done. It, it, it can't do anything more than it's doing at the moment. It's, it's maxed out. You know. Oh, I did buy a RMD. Just haven't read it. <laughs> oh, really? I'll have to get You'll my to, Kindle going and get stuck into You'll it. Have to, it's, it's, I think it's one of his actually... I would say it's RMD and Snow Crash are probably his best too. His favorite one, favorite one of mine so far is Cryptonomicon. I love Cryptonomicon. It's incredibly detailed. Like it's layer upon layer upon layer of information. It's great, 
but from a pure um, geek point of view, yeah, Reem D and, and, and Snow Crash are the best two. <coughs> so. Sweet. Thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Heads show broadcast weekly. We can be found at facebook.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, twitter.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, and youtube.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Also now at patreon.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Sign up for $4 a month, $10 a month, or from several other tiers. See the site for details. And coffee.com, ko-fi.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Make a one-off donation of any size. Email us, Glenn, Will Warlock at aussietechheads.com.au. You can hear Aussie Tech Heads on AussieTechRadio.com, 24-7 back-to-back play of some of the best tech-related shows from around Australia and New Zealand. New shows are added each Friday. See you next time. Bye.